Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and then I tell you about it. All right. So um, this is the first episode that we record at my new place. Or I record at my new place. <laughs> this is the first episode, you know, recording remotely. But I am located in our new place. So congratulations Benny Uh, thank you and uh, congratulations again once more to you (laughs) on your new place indeed thank Um, you moving out of the pre-congratulations into the actual congratulations now since the the event has happened oh my gosh there was a lot involved Um, but yeah here we are Um, so hoping that the sound quality is okay um Not much I can do about it, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) sounds okay on my end, so we'll see what the (laughs) listeners think. Cool. It feels like it's been ages since we recorded, but that's not actually true. It has only been like the normal amount of time that goes between (laughs) our recordings. Well, I mean, it's we're we're in that weird kind of liminal span of time between the holidays. Well, I guess between Christmas and New Year's where time has lost all meaning and you know it's hard to even know what day of the week it is and stuff like that's that that's true so, we, yeah we could have yeah. recorded yesterday and it would probably still feel like ages ago <laughs> well we did we did kind of record yesterday because we recorded ourselves playing D D. that's true um, so that i could do a, a write-up afterwards um but yeah, that 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 it had been a while since we played any D anD. Yeah, um, I think it was like back in October or something. Maybe I think so. Yeah, at least in but that anyway, that main it had game. Been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Time has been crazy these past yes. few months and year in general. Well, hopefully, um, you listeners, by the time you get to this episode or this episode gets to you. Um, you should have a new president. Right. So maybe time feels a little bit less crazy. <laughs> yeah, this episode is coming out on the 30th of January, it looks like. So you're like cool. well, 10 days into a new presidency, hopefully, if all goes as planned. <laughs> hopefully the inauguration was lovely and there was no, well, hopefully everything's good. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So, Kyle, I had a question for you, because um, you let me know that you were up to episode five of The Mandalorian and that you might watch episode six before our recording. Did you actually get a chance to watch episode six yet? I did not, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, my God, Kyle, it's such a good episode. Oh, my God. I mean, I, normally I'd be worried about, like, overhyping it or whatever, but, like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been trying to limit myself to only one episode per day. And I was like, I was making real good time right up until probably, I think, Christmas Eve. I think the day before Christmas Eve was the last time I actually managed to watch any. Well, fair enough. I know, I know, you know, at the holidays, Christmas, it's always very busy, both doing like um, Christmassy things and also playing all the new video games that you get for Christmas. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I know I've been doing both. Excellent. Yeah, a lot of uh, talking to folks, talking to family, talking to friends, and uh, playing video games. Yeah, I just finished talking to family just before this recording, in fact. Yes, and some of them listen to this show, so hello, <laughs> Kyle's family. Cool, should we get into it? Absolutely, we should. Awesome. talking about the 32nd episode of season one which is the unwilling warriors nice and benny do you recall what our cliff dingler was last time (laughs) vaguely (laughs) (laughs) um the the sensorites showed up i know that so our our heroes are on a uh a spaceship um 
I guess, yo, dog, I heard you like spaceships. So we took the TARDIS, which is the spaceship, and put it in another spaceship. <laughs> um, and so you can spaceship while you spaceship, yeah. So uh-huh. um, anywho, uh, yeah, we got, we got space zombies. Um, and one of them has been sort of zombieing it up after susan and barbara if i remember right right um and uh the 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 more scared you get i think the more um the sensorites have control over you and so this uh this spaceship where we are um they keep like blacking out or whatever and the sensorites are messing with them and or keeping them from leaving and now we we see the actual sensorites, which uh, I think last time we described them as like a pretty cool, like you know Star Trek quality level head mm-hmm. on this costume, and like uh, sweatshirt and sweatpants. Right, like, yeah, a tracksuit essentially. <laughs> um, so yeah, so now now the the sensorites are coming after our guys and. Uh, I don't remember like the exact details of the clip dangler, but I think I think they had just showed up to uh, to menace our heroes. We get like the upper half of a sensorite body like peering in through the basically the window of the spaceship, their control, their view screen or whatever. And our twenty eighth century astronauts, Maitland and Carol, are both just kind of frozen in place and the doctor thinks that it's basically due to fear like you kind of talked about a little bit the the more scared you get then it seems like the more the more control the sensorites have over you which i love as yeah. you know just a sci-fi concept especially in a show for kids this this whole lesson of like you know fear um paralyzes you and uh, sometimes the the, the truly dangerous thing is not the thing itself, but the fear of that thing right. the fear that you feel. Anywho, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah, the doctor actually says, Fear, my boy. It's loosened his mind. And he gives the sensorites a chance to control it. Cool. And yeah, he kind of like shakes Maitland and, you know, shakes him up a little bit and is able to like wake him out of his fearful stupor. And he hopefully reminds Maitland that there's actually a door that Maitland's supposed to be trying to cut through so they can go save Barbara and Susan from our space zombie. Hmm. What was the space zombie's name? John. Okay. I wasn't sure if his name actually was John because I wanted to say John, but then the character's name in our D&D game yesterday was also John. And <laughs> I was like, eh, am I remembering that right? I don't know. So. Uh-huh. I should have guessed anyway, because now nobody knows if I'm telling the truth or not that I have. <laughs> you believe me, don't you, audience? <laughs> so Maitland, you know, heads back over to the door, pulls out his his cutting device, and starts working on it again. And meanwhile, the camera cuts over to the other side of the door, where we have Barbara and Susan and Space Zombie John, and. Mm-hmm. You're using his full name, I see. It's like he's in trouble <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> when your parents call you by your full name. <laughs> Barbara's trying to get him to open the door. He is like he's telling Barbara and Susan that he's going to protect them, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, okay, cool." Uh, he insists that their friends and everybody else on the ship are all dead. Barbara and Susan are like, no, I'm pretty sure they were <laughs> just alive a minute ago. But, you know, he thinks that everyone's dead. After a moment, he looks like toward the camera, not not directly into the camera, but like just kind of off to the side of the camera. And he starts responding to voices that neither Barbara and Susan nor us, the viewers, are able to hear. Whoa. But John is saying things like, Frighten them? No, I can't do that. No. No. 
I think you're frightening me. <laughs> Susan surmises that somebody is actually talking to John inside of his head and that he's probably being ordered to do something to harm her and Barbara. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's trying to resist this. And it also looks like his resistance, which we don't know if it's futile or not, I will say. <laughs> but it does look like his resistance seems to cause him uh, one hell of a headache. Resistance will cause one hell of a headache. <laughs> that was like somewhere between Borg and Dalek. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Back on the other side of the door, Maitland is still trying to open it. He can't move the door by hand, so he starts cutting through it again. And this seems to annoy Ian because of how slow Maitland's cutting device goes. Ian's like, I can get through it, you know, with just my hands. And then he flexes (laughs) and his shirt tears off and he goes, Ian, person of action. (laughs) He just grabs the door and yanks it off the, yeah. So yeah, Ian's worried about Barbara and Susan, but the doctor tells him to chill out. He's like, you know, otherwise it confuses the brain and leaves it wide open to an attack by the sensorites. Look at Maitland here. Fear and inertia. Let him vulnerable. So yeah, I thought it was, you know, interesting and to point out to Ian, you know, don't like, don't be too worried because that's what they want. Like, that's how they're going to take advantage. And also, let's take this opportunity to just rip on Maitland a little bit. <laughs> well, I can get behind that. Um, but it's also like Ian wants to do something. Like, he's trying to act on on his concern for Barbara and Susan. And the doctor's just kind of like, no. Nah, it's okay. Chill, chill. I'm like, you can, you know, try to get through this door in a chill and calm way. Uh (laughs) Still trying to get through that door. So Carol tells everybody that the sensorites are actually on the ship now. Apparently they got in through the ship's loading bay, which fortunately is not where Barbara and Susan are. And fortunately for the, uh, you know, setting designers, we never Uh see. (laughs) (laughs) But Carol does, you know, does tell Ian that the sensorites have control of John. And so, you know, John might be dangerous. John might attack them. Hmm. Of course, back, you know, in the room with Barbara and Susan and John, Barbara and Susan are trying to calm John down. They're like telling him that, you know, everything is peaceful and calm. Everything is going to be cool. They're not worried as long as he's here to protect them. And they're like reassuring him that they're his friends. So it seems to us viewers probably that John is not terribly dangerous at the moment, at least. But I guess who knows if he's under sensorized mind control. Yeah, I, I like how they're they're telling him that he'll protect them. It's like, um, okay, I, I guess. Uh-huh. I, I realize they're just kind of telling him whatever he needs to hear to, to calm down. So I do find it interesting that they're like, we know that you'll protect us. Well, it's because he was, he was saying earlier that he would protect them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're just kind of like, like agreeing with, the, with his delusions, I guess. Yeah. So around this time of the episode, we actually get our first look at the bottom half of a sensorite. <laughs> they had between the last episode and this episode to come up with something good, and all we got was sweatpants. <laughs> yep. We actually see the bottom half of two sensorites. The camera cuts to two pairs of legs, which are wearing what looks like sweatpants fabric. Mm-hmm. And their feet are these large round discs with the sweatpants fabric stretched over them. Oh, okay. Gee, yeah, I, I thought, thought that was, was like boots or something. Kind of cool. Kind of interesting. <laughs> An effort was made. <laughs> uh huh. And then the camera pans up and shows us like the rest of their body. We see actually, yeah, these are sensorites. This is the same type of alien 
that we saw on the view screen last episode. Mm-hmm. I love the name Sensorites. Yeah. I don't know. I probably said this last time, but if I didn't, I should at least say it's got such a good classic, you know, cheesy sci-fi sound to it. And I think it's from the planet Sense Sphere, mm-hmm. which is a little bit difficult to say, but still a great name. <laughs> I guess like you just run it together, Sense Sphere. All planets are uh, are spheres. Oh, but also, like, yeah, when you said it just now, it made me realize, like, these sensorites, they prey on fear. So is it sense sphere or sense fear? Oh, that's a good point. You know, I think actually, I think the episode transcripts that I read, which are unofficial, basically spelled it as sense sphere. But then I think on the Doctor Who fandom page or wiki i think it's sense sphere with a hyphen in between interesting i assume that's the more canonical version but well even if it was just a coincidence that it happened to sound like sense fear i think it's a pretty cool coincidence yeah definitely so susan comes up with a plan at this point she remembers this planet that she had visited with her grandfather once, a planet called Esto. And on Esto, there are telepathic plants. Nice. I love it. Uh Uh-huh. And Susan says that these plants would screech if you stand, like, in between them. She says, Well, grandfather said it was because they were aware of another mind. And Barbara adds, Breaking in on their communications. Yes, exactly. Hmm. So Susan's plan is that if she and Barbara both think the same thing at the sensorites at the same time, then like maybe they can overpower them. Cool. I love it. Uh I love the psychic plants. I love the idea of Susan standing between two psychic plants who are trying to have a conversation. They're just (laughs) trying to have a conversation, Susan. You're not part of this conversation. And they're like shrieking at her, (laughs) screeching at her to be like, get out of here. I'm trying to talk to my plant friend, Uh you meat person. (laughs) Now Susan's like, oh, I remember that time that I was a real asshole trying to like eavesdrop on these plant telepathic (laughs) communications. Yes. So Barbara, you know, Susan explains the plan and Barbara's like, What do you mean? We defy you, something like that? And Susan's like, Yes, yes, we defy you. All right. And we've got to picture the words very clearly in our minds. We must both concentrate very hard. Ready? Yes. You two kids at home, (laughs) everyone all together now. So they they actually do do a countdown. And at the end of the countdown, they both get looks of concentration on their faces. And the camera cuts over to the two sensorites that we saw earlier in another part of the ship. And they both, like, grab their heads in pain and fall to the ground. Nice. Camera cuts back to Barbara and Susan just in time to see Susan, like, basically faint and fall into Barbara's arms. So she she used up all her, her mana. Yeah. I guess she concentrated a bit too hard. (laughs) This feels like something out of a panto or something, (laughs) you know, like, all right, kids, you can, we're going to all do this together. And how we're going to take out these sensorites, Uh but you do it silently in your own brain. So I guess the audience participation is, uh, you know, (laughs) kind of different in this one. So, meanwhile, on the other side of the door, Ian and Maitland are actually working together now, and between the two of them, they are able to just, like, pull the door open with their sheer brute physical strength. And... I'm sure Ian is just letting Maitland feel like he's contributing. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no doubt. (laughs) So, yeah, they, they get the door open... Just as Susan and Barbara think at the sensorites, and then we get a fade to black indicating passage of time. Classic. In the new scene, 
we learn that John is now sleeping peacefully, and the doctor thinks that it is plausible that Susan's thoughts could have been projected to the sensorites. He, oh, cause, yeah, I guess they didn't see the sensorites like falling over. Right. Uh, he tells Susan that it was a very dangerous thing for her to do, but... Because you were strong-willed and without fear, they didn't harm you. Nice. I like this idea, you know, it's probably good for like little kids who are scared of aliens or whatever to be like, just be strong and without fear and think we defy you at them <laughs> and they'll leave you alone. Like uh-huh. It's, it's, it's kind of has that like, I don't know, little kids reassurance type of vibe to it, which I yeah, like. Yeah, totally. Maitland mentions that John's hair is nearly all white now. To which the doctor responds, There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling a little self-conscious there, doctor. But of course, John's like 30 years old. And well, the doctor's probably like 30, 100 years old. <laughs> you know, I wonder when we will, or if we will ever learn the doctor's like actual canonical age. Mm-hmm. But anyway, nobody has any idea still what the sensorites actually want with them. Um, well, I say that, but actually Ian does have maybe a little bit of an idea. Hmm. Apparently, Ian heard John muttering in his sleep, and John had muttered something about dreams of avarice, hmm. which reminded Ian of... The apparently classic saying, rich beyond the dreams of avarice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've heard that saying before. Yeah, I feel like I had to, but yeah, maybe it was more common in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem like a kind of a, you know, old, old-fashioned thing to say. Yeah. But Ian's speculation is that given that John was the mineralogist of the crew. He thinks that John probably discovered something valuable on the planet Sensphere that the Sensorites don't want anyone else knowing about. Gold! Or, you know, since this is the future, ultra gold. (laughs) The Doctor just really wants to get his TARDIS lock back. And he asks Maitland if he's ever tried talking to the Sensorites. And I thought it was pretty funny, like, how shocked Maitland seemed by this question or suggestion. He's like, talking to them? But, yeah, the Doctor thinks maybe maybe we should talk to them. Might be a good idea. But they're weird. <laughs> so we cut back to the two Sensorites on the ship. And one of them is holding what sort of looks like a stethoscope, uh, except there's there's just one tube. So I guess it's like a stethoscope if your doctor only had one ear. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I can picture it. <laughs> and he's, the tube just kind of like attaches up to his shoulder, but like the, the stethoscopy part, he or the the sensorite is holding up to what is probably its forehead, anatomically Mm. speaking. And it is apparently using the stethoscope device to remotely listen to other parts of the ship, and it's surveilling the conversation that's happening in the other room. Cool. So the other sensorite comments that it seems like the TARDIS crew has higher intelligence stats than the other folks. Well, they're PCs. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's almost a direct quote, I'll even say. Nice. <laughs> the first sensorite is like, yeah, dude, our boss told us to watch them. If they try to attack us with force, we are to summon our warriors to destroy them. Hmm. Which... I wondered if those are like the unwilling warriors of the t- episode title. 
I was just about to speculate about that. But if they're already warriors, then would they be unwilling? Yeah. I, I would just... assume our heroes are the unwilling warriors because, like, you know, you're not supposed to resort to violence except when necessary. That could be. Um, or it could be the uh, the NPCs on the spaceship, like Maitland and, and Carol and John, because they seem unwilling or unable to fight back. Yeah, that like they're unwilling to be warriors, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Is it Mayland or Maitland? Maitland. Maitland, okay, I thought yeah. so. Yeah, M-A-I-T. Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. So Maitland has actually taken a spectroscope reading of the sense sphere. Excellent, excellent. And uh, Ian's looking at the printout of it. <laughs> uh, is it just some like dot matrix printer type thing? Um, actually, not. It's a, it's pretty impressive. It's this piece of like probably cardstock that is like a few inches wide, but probably like eighteen to twenty-four inches long. And it's got like the whole spectroscope reading printed all down it. Uh, I don't know if you or our listeners have seen spectroscopes before, but the reading basically looks like a long UPC symbol. Yeah, I think I, now that you mention it, is that the sort of thing that like tells you the elements of a thing? Yeah. Based on like, you know, if there's a, a line here, then that means that there's nitrogen or if there's a line here, there's oxygen or whatever. Yeah, that's exactly it. Cool. And, of course, Ian is a science teacher, (laughs) which gives him a couple of points in nature. Mm -hmm. And he's easily able to recognize oxygen, hydrogen, and sodium in the chart. But, of course, that's all nothing unusual. Susan asks him what he's looking at, and he gets the educational moment theme music all queued up. (laughs) And he says... Oh, it's a spectrograph, Susan. You see these lines? They represent the emission wavelength. But before he can really, like, get going with it, she's just like... Oh, yes, of course. And walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Skip dialogue. Uh, I thought that was pretty great. I, you know, in my headcanon, I think she's deliberately trolling him. Like, she knew, obviously, that it was a spectrograph. And she just wanted to, like get them all queued up for an educational moment and then not let them go through with it. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess she knows what, what's going to work on a science teacher. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carol wonders like who the fuck our, our PCs all are. She's like, well, you come from nowhere and you seem to be going nowhere. Barbara's just like, Uh, we've kind of just got to depend on the doctor. She explains that the doctor's trying to return her and Ian to their own time. (laughs) Exactly how hard he's trying, Uh, we have yet to establish. (laughs) Carol's just like, oh, cool, cool, I see. We cut over to the doctor, who decides that he's going to go ahead and make his own nature check on the spectrograph. And he actually rolls high enough to notice that there is molybdenum indicated. But it's just hard to see because it's like mixed in with all the other shit. And I'll be honest, I always thought that was pronounced molybdenum. I think I did too until... Now that I say it out loud, I realize that that is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Ian kind of still has his educational moment blue balls and wants to get that educational moment going, so he asks, Molybdenum? And the doctor explains, Yes, it's used as an alloy in steel, and in fact, this machine would be useless without it. 
Now, let me see. Iron melts at uh, 1,539 degrees centigrade, and molybdenum melts at 2,622 degrees centigrade. So, you know, that's uh, give you some idea. Which I thought was probably our most specific educational moment yet. Yes, good luck finding an actual application of uh -huh. that particular educational moment. Now, kids, remember, when you need to know the melting point of iron, it's 1,539 degrees centigrade. So if you, see, if you see iron around you and it's melting, <laughs> now you know how warm it is. I wonder if the 9-11 truthers have watched this episode. Oh dear. I guess that's steel, though, not iron. <laughs> <laughs> but this revelation that the planet has molybdenum on it actually seems to cause Maitland and Carol about 1d8 psychic damage each. They each, like, grab their heads in pain. And... Ah, one d it's not that much. Barbara and Ian decide that they've got to go find the sensorites. So they leave the room, start heading down to the loading bay. Yeah, they're on the ship. Uh-huh. Like, we've established Yeah, no that. one's, like, been ta that worried about it so far. <laughs> so Barbara and Ian start sneaking down the corridor... They're being very careful not to disturb John, who is asleep in one of the rooms. Barbara and Ian, people of <laughs> They sneak through a different room and come out into another corridor. This corridor turns a corner, and there's another door there. And, you know, they wave their hands at the door sensor to open the door and head on through. Ian kind of stops for a moment and turns to Barbara, and he's like, You can come if you don't want to. But Barbara, person of action, is just like, Nonsense. Yes, that is nonsense, Ian. You, you keep that, you know, patriarchal nonsense to yourself. I mean, at this point, he should know better to even suggest that she stay behind. I agree. In the next room, what do they find but the two sensorites? Nice. The sensorites start slowly walking toward Barbara and Ian and Barbara and Ian start slowly backing away from the sensorites. Ian grabs like a wrench or something off of a nearby table and he holds it menacingly and this causes the sensorites to back up a little bit. But they still continue, like, slowly advancing, and Ian and Barbara continue slowly retreating. I thought they were going to try to talk to them. That's kind of what I thought, too, but, yeah, apparently not. They just wanted to see him, I guess. Well, maybe they weren't counting on them looking so weird, <laughs> and now they're, like, rethinking their strategy of talking to uh -huh. them. Ian and Barbara, like, back out of the room, and then they shut the door. Ian sends Barbara back to, like, the control room of the ship to ask Maitland how to lock the door. You know, they've just closed it, but apparently they didn't, they didn't lock it. Mm. So she heads back. Ian stays behind. And a moment later, the door opens. And <laughs> Ian stays behind with his finger hovering over the closed door. <laughs> A door opens, Ian, you know, waves his hand at the sensor, but it's just not picking it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, the two sensorites come out, and one of them raises its stethoscope thingy up to its probably forehead, but it quickly drops it when Ian, like, menaces with his hammer or wrench or whatever he grabbed. Mm -hmm. And... The two sensorites just keep, like, slowly advancing towards Ian, and he just kind of, like, slowly retreats back down the corridor. Tension! Meanwhile, back in the control room, Barbara has gotten back, and she's trying to get Maitland to tell her how to lock the doors, but it seems that Maitland is still reeling from his earlier psychic damage. Apparently... Molybdenum. <laughs> Molybdenum. Uh -huh. 
Uh, maybe he rolled an eight on the one d eight. Who knows? He's like, oh my god! This whole time I've been calling it Molly Denim. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> the doctor's like, dude, Barbara, just ask Space Zombie John, and she's like, he'll be in no condition to help. Which, yeah, he's a space yeah. zombie. <laughs> but this sets the doctor up for probably one of the shittiest pieces of dialogue he's had in a bit. He just says, Do as I say. And Barbara leaves. Well, at least he left off the implied woman. Yeah, that's true. Could have been worse. Anywho, there's our doctor is an asshole moment for the episode. Uh-huh. Well, I should say for the episode so far. <laughs> so Barbara does do what the doctor said. She rushes back to Sleepy John and wakes him up and asks him how to lock the doors. Mm -hmm. By this time, Ian has like backed his way down into this corridor that Barbara and space zombie John are in. And the sensorites have followed him the whole way, of course. And he raises his implement to strike them. And Barbara's like, Ian, no. And Ian's like, why not? How else can I keep these creatures off? And Barbara's like, Well, do you need to keep them off? Have they actually attacked you? It's a good question. Yeah. And at this point, they have not actually attacked Ian. So the sensorites just kind of like calmly stand there <laughs> while John like closes and locks the door in their face. And, you know, then Ian and Barbara and John all start heading back to the others. And... Ian remembers at this point that the ship actually has a circular floor plan. Mm -hmm. So he rushes back into the control room to like lock the other door and make sure the sensorites can't get around the other way. I still like the circular floor plan. I still think that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool too. And like they, that it actually comes up again. Yeah, they, they remembered that that was a thing. Uh huh. So everyone gets back to the control room safely. Meanwhile, one of the sensorites pulls out the device that it had used in the previous episode to remove the TARDIS door lock mechanism. Cool. Uh, yeah, like the, the fucked up potato masher thingy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it holds this device up to the door sensor, and a moment later, the door swings open. So, so much for locking the doors on the ship. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's one of these things where... Uh... When uh, we've already seen them get, you know, they have door lock defeating technology uh -huh. that uh, we uh, should probably have assumed that they can continue to get past door locks. So they start heading down the corridor toward the control room, and they're almost at the control room. Anyway, they still need to open that door, but they're almost to that door when... Like, they both stop, and they both pull out their stethoscope devices and hold them up to their presumably foreheads. And we start hearing some, like, whistly sci-fi noise soundtrack. Psychic sounds. That is exactly what it is, in fact. And in the control room, Susan can hear them. Susan has actually started receiving thought transmissions from the sensorites. And she's responding to them verbally. She's saying, All right, I'll ask them. I'll tell them I'll tell you later. The sensorites want to know if it's alright for them to talk to you. <laughs> Very polite sensorites. <laughs> uh-huh. Doctor agrees. But he says, If they try to harm us, then I shall fight them. With my mind. <laughs> Susan opens up the door, and the two sensorites are both standing there on the other side. Hey, what's up? There's a really funny bit where, like, one of the sensorites kind of leans over to the other and whispers, Which one is the doctor? And the other one whispers back, The one with the white hair. And then the doctor's like, 
Speak up, I can't hear you. And the censorite is just like, We have been speaking to each other. Cat jerk. <laughs> so Doctor's like, dude, just, just like tell us what the fuck you want. Why won't you let these nice people leave the planet area? And it turns out the Doctor was right. It is because of the molybdenum. And Ian is like, oh, cool. Well, we don't care about the molybdenum. Problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) Or do we? Uh, Sensorites are just like, "Uh, we don't really trust humans. Like the last time that some humans came to the sense sphere, they really fucked us over. So we don't really trust humans. I don't blame them. Yeah. Also, like, how does the doctor know that nobody there wants the molybdenum? Like, because, I don't know, the space people seem pretty, yeah, like, I don't know, taken with it. Maybe Maitland is really into molybdenum. Yeah. But it, it does turn out that the sensorites don't just expect the humans to like drift around in space in their ship around the sense sphere for the rest of their lives. They've actually prepared like a special human area on the planet Cute. that they want humans to come live in. That sounds super fun and nice and totally not like a creepy <laughs> zoo. Uh-huh. Doctor's just like, uh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Ian's like, yeah, fuck that. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> Sensor to like, uh, I mean, we're still just going to like take you to the human area on the planet anyway. Okay. So Ian's like, yeah, we'll kick your ass if you try. And they're like, yeah, what, you and your door locking abilities? We can unlock doors, dipshit. <laughs> Is that all you got? Locking doors? <laughs> Doctor's like, oh, speaking of door locks, give me the fucking TARDIS lock back. <laughs> yeah. They say that he's in no position to make threats. And he replies, I don't make threats, but I do keep promises. And I promise you, I shall cause you more trouble than you bargained for. If you don't return my property. Nice. Sensor lights are like, all right, cool, we'll think about it. And they leave. Mm-hmm. After the sensor lights leave, the doctor reveals that... He had secretly asked the DM if he could perform an investigation check on them. Ah, passing notes, I see. Yep, nobody else thought to do that. And so he explains the results of his investigation check. It's a fallacy, of course, that cats can see in the dark. They can't, but they can see better than we humans. Because the iris of their eyes dilates at night. So we're getting kind of another mini educational moment about cats, apparently. Yeah, I'm not sure how that, you know, figures into the rest of the episode, but okay. Uh Uh-huh. Ian's like, so? Get to the point? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And the doctor's like... Oh, it's all perfectly simple, Chesterton. You see, Sensorite's eyes are the exact opposite to that of a cat's. The sensorite's eyes were completely dilated. That is enormous in light. Okay. So he figures that their eyes must get real small in the darkness. So they're probably just basically blind in the dark. And more importantly, frightened. Barbara's like, uh, why would they be scared of the dark? And the doctor's like, My dear Barbara, wouldn't you be afraid if you couldn't see your enemies? Hmm? Hmm? I'm just always here for the hmm. Uh Ah, yeah, I love the hmms. He turns to Ian, and he says, Thank you for your admiration, dear boy. And Ian's like, Thank you. I never said a word. (laughs) And the doctor is just like, Telepathy. You know, telepathy isn't only a prerequisite of the sensorites. I know sometimes what you're thinking. I I wasn't entirely sure if that was a joke or not, honestly. Yeah. I feel like that's a kind of a weird weird timing too with all the uh sensorite stuff going on. It's like don't we have enough anxiety around that right now? <laughs> uh-huh. 
So around this time of the episode, we start hearing the whistly sci-fi noises again. Which have been identified as the psychic soundtrack. And Susan starts receiving another thought transmission. She agrees to something. You know, she's replying verbally so we can hear that she agrees to something. And she insists that the others are not harmed. And then she tells her grandfather that it was the only way and that the sensorites knew that she would agree. Hmm. And the doctor's like, Agree to what? Mm-hmm. And as she opens the control room door and steps through to join the sensorites waiting outside, she says, To go down with them to their planet. Otherwise we'll all be killed. Huh. And... As the door closes, the words the appear on the screen. <laughs> yep. Next episode, Hidden Danger. Nice. Appear on screen. Yeah, it's interesting. Earlier, we were speculating who the unwilling warriors were. And I was like, well, you know, we're, we're still early in the episode. Maybe it'll be more obvious by the end. But I'm like, I'm still not entirely sure. Yeah, I didn't really come up with any good ideas of who the unwilling warriors are. I'm not sure I actually understand the title of this one. It's also one of these, like, is it good that they're fighting? Is it, you know... It seems like talking is the better option, but now we're back to the sensorites threatening to kill them, so maybe uh-huh. maybe it's yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems a little bit all over the place in the serial. Yeah, that one seemed like a bit of a jump. Yeah. I mean maybe the sensorites are just like threatening their lives out of a kind of a default decision at this point. Like, I don't know. I kind of want one of them to come to the planet with us. What should we do? Uh, uh, I, I guess threaten their lives. I guess threaten them like nothing else seems to be working, so. Yeah, I mean, like, why Why think of another option when that one seems to work fine? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure who the Unwilling Warriors are, but yeah. I guess they were there. The whole door locking, unlocking thing was also kind of strange. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, like the I don't know. They you know they got the TARDIS lock and mm-hmm. they seem yeah like how to lock the doors and if the doors can be locked well enough is not necessarily what I would have guessed as a plot point. Yeah, they seem like. A surprising amount of this episode kind of revolved <laughs> around that. Um, but, well, yeah. Yeah, overall, I mean, even if this episode, I would say, it's not quite up there with the best ones ever, I, I still like the weirdness of it. Um, and having a, a strange, menacing alien slowly walking toward you while you slowly back up, I think is always... Always a classic. I mean, we got true, several yeah. several instances of that this time, so and I, I approve. Yeah, and this episode did feel very Doctor Who-y, I have to say. Excellent. Um, cool. So, did you uh, did you want to go over talk about anything else, or should we just move on to the next one? Uh, I think that was all I had. Cool, because yeah, it's always one of these things where, like, especially on days when we're recording more than one episode, when we get to the end, I'm always like, well, we got to talk about it <laughs> a little bit at the end, but I also just want to know what happens next. So uh-huh. let's launch right into it. And Sounds good. listeners, you can come along in two weeks. Find out how hidden the hidden danger is. Yes, exactly. Um, all right. Bye. Bye. Hi, Kyle here. 
The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. Sure, it's no coincidence that the sensorites attacked you as soon as you'd discovered molybdenum. Yes, but they won't agree to that. Agree? What? What are you talking about, child? I- I'm sure they'll talk to you about it. Susan, what is it? All right, I'll ask them. I'll tell you later. The sensorites want to know if it's all right for them to talk to you. <laughs>